Hello fellow McClunkies and welcome to Free Blurged and a Bounty, the only Mandalorian discussion show hosted by the Imperial Senate podcast. I am your host Charlie Ashby and joining me today, uh, okay, um, so my fellow Bounty Hunter Guild comrades aren't here this week, unfortunately as it's Thanksgiving, Nikki and Claire are away eating turkey and God knows what else, um, <laughs> so many potatoes, um, but... Actually, rather fittingly, like the episode we're watching today of The Sin, while the guild may not be part of the the show anymore, I will be backed up by a fellow member of my own clan, and that clan is the British. <laughs> you may know him as half the duo that makes up Blue Band for Milk, it's Sean Fallon. How you doing, mate? I'm good, I'm good. How about you? Yeah, so not too bad. Um, it's a weird week to be British because everyone else is busy. In America, well, doing all the crazy stuff, and well, we're yeah, just—I mean, we, we reap the benefits in terms of the good deals. <laughs> oh yeah, no, my my housemates are going nuts about uh, Black Friday. They've kind of, uh, yeah, they've really got sucked into it, and and they don't want anything, but they're just becoming like that. All I came home from work last night, and they're all just sitting around on the laptops watching like. Um, user reviews for just mad electronics it's like yeah but it's cheap and i can get a deal <laughs> yeah but you don't need it or want <laughs> <Yeah>. it <laughs> you know yeah. you don't understand i can buy this for less than it was before <laughs> that's it i can have it and it won't cost as much why wouldn't i want it <laughs> so yeah <laughs> it's all fun and games until we find out there's some discount on the mandalorian armor some that's sweet best girl yeah, exactly. That's the thing. I'm just, I'm exactly the same when it comes to like dumb Star Wars shit. When it's like, oh, you can get a slow, like a, a slow cooker that looks like R2D2. Like, I would, I will kill everyone <laughs> I see until I get that fucking thing. Oh, sorry. Am I allowed to? No, swear, swear yeah. away. This is a swearing podcast. Awesome. Just want to make sure. But yeah, um, no, it's cool. And, uh, well, I'm, obviously, I live, I live in Australia. So, uh, our Black Friday will be uh, like 24 hours before everyone else's, so we'll snap up the deals and yeah, it's great. <laughs> so you're you're way ahead of them in terms oh, yeah. of you know, but no, you don't get the you don't get the good food apparently. Well, I've been to I've had one Thanksgiving dinner in my life, and it was uh, it was one of the most awful experiences. But it was less to do with the food and more to do with the. 
Uh, it was a whole thing. I could, I could literally. I need to find someone who's got a podcast that's just based around this one story of me having this Thanksgiving dinner <laughs> when I was a, an English teacher in Istanbul, and it was a, it was a whole thing. Yeah, my my wife just kind of like goes into a fugue state whenever anyone mentions it. She just like disassociates. It was so bad. So. <laughs> That's that was a whole. I was about to ask you, like, how did that come about? But the whole Istanbul, mm-hmm. an English teacher, mm-hmm. and there was a Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, and it was all the Americans got together to to host it, and then they invited like like my wife's Australian, so they invited us as because um, well, because we're all friends and family and whatever. And um, yeah, and it was just yeah, the the food was yeah it was they weren't great cooks i guess and the food was just like a uniform beigey gray color just everything just the potatoes the turkey the whole thing and the conversations were really uh just really nothing and then someone served like it was like at the end like we're gonna have pumpkin pie made from scratch i'm like oh that sounds really cool how'd you make it and like well i bought a tin of pumpkin and i bought a pie base and I'm just going to pour that into there. I'm like, how is that made from scratch? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's you're lying, sir. <laughs> you yeah, throw your glove down. Yeah, yeah, this is a mockery. <laughs> you're making a mockery yeah. of the pilgrims. How dare you, sir? <laughs> they didn't have tins on the boats over to America, yeah. and neither were you. <laughs> yeah, God. So, yeah, pretty pretty rough. But I I would like to have another crack at it at some point. But it's there's no sort of. Uh, uh, I guess it's the same in, in England. There's no sort of like it hasn't it hasn't got across. It doesn't like become like Halloween kind of America yeah. made it really cool, and then we all like took that whole thing. Uh, Thanksgiving hasn't bled into bled into Australia. There's not like places doing like a you know oh if you're American come here and have a Thanksgiving. It's no, it's very much you are or you aren't. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like. Like, we get it in sort of the culture, so we get it in, like, TV shows and films. That's basically where we know everything about it from. Yeah. But in terms of, like, if if, it, if we did that in terms, of like, modern day, it'd be like trying to push gun uh, gunpowder day on everyone. Guy yeah, Fawkes, oh, like, yeah. And being like, like, isn't this get great? On. Like, not really. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very specifically historical, isn't it? Because like when someone says, "Oh yeah, so in Viva Vendetta," and he's talking about like uh, the gunpowder plot, what's that? And you're like, "Oh, it was like a you know a terrorist attack, <laughs> you know, like a religiously <laughs> a religiously yeah. uh, motivated terrorist attack that got stopped, and then the people who got caught got brutally tortured and executed by the crown, and we celebrate that." <laughs> We still celebrate it. Yeah. And we've, we've like, learned oh, nothing. The... <laughs> we've learned absolutely nothing. And I know we're going into a bit of a tangent, but it's still, <laughs> I, I think it's just hilarious how we still, like, I mean, I mean, to be fair, it's just because there's fireworks. And I still don't understand yeah. why fireworks are impressive in any way or form. Yeah. But it's just one of those things. It's like, yeah. And you explain it and like, so why are we, why are we doing this? Yeah. My only big issue with Thanksgiving, I think you can understand this, and I feel like no one can complain because this is a, a, a completely British show this week. Yeah. And that is the fact that as Brits, we have a certain expectation when it comes to roast dinners. Oh, shit, yeah. Oh, this one we had had mac and cheese in it. And it was just like, oh, yeah, so you have mac oh. and cheese on the side. Like, do you, do you bollocks have mac and cheese? This is insane. I get that out of here. 
Want yeah. some good gravy, some nice yeah. potatoes, roast potatoes, that's cooked it. in the meat, uh, yeah. the juice of the meat, and then, and that's yeah, it. you know, your puddings. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's interesting as well to me to have um, uh, Thanksgiving backed on so quickly to Christmas as well. Like, that's, yeah. that's interesting, because they're quite samey in terms of the meal. Um, and in like a month apart. Mm. So yeah, no. Uh, Absolutely. I was thinking about that recently as well. Like... Wouldn't you be bored of Turkey? Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Turkey is one of the, well, the and, and it's especially weird for for me here because I've lived in Australia for about five years, and we have obviously because the seasons are flipped. We have Christmas at the mm. height of summer, so yeah, that's quite weird because there's very much like the English influence has drifted in. So we will go and go to my brother-in-law's farm, and it's like huge blue skies boiling hot everyone's in shorts and a t-shirt and we're eating like a full roast dinner like outside and <laughs> like surely at some point someone should have said oh yeah i mean obviously the english have got their massive influence but we need to create a specifically australian christmas dinner and it's like no no it's it's full the whole thing turkey roast potato uh gravy the full the full hit starter pudding and then you kind of like open your presents and have a sleep because you're roasting hot and full of food. It's amazing, actually. <laughs> no, what I would try to That's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of want it too. Like, that's great. Um, yeah, the British influence always pushing our stuff on other people, <laughs> whether oh, they like it or not. Oh my god, so much. Um, well, why don't we just dive into the episode? Obviously, um, episode yep. three of the Mandalorian. Um, some interesting stuff happened this week. Yeah, we're definitely moving uh, towards. It's been it's been a slow burn. Like, um, I think people have had that complaint about the show being like it's had too much filler, which I don't think you can say anything's mm. got filler until you know the big picture. Like, yeah, because that's the thing. Like when people are like, oh, the second episode was just filler. And like, well, it wasn't. It was it was plot. It was explaining his sort of like. It was just yeah, it was it was plot, and also we don't. It's it's not like you know when you watch Lost and you got to like the fourth season and there was like an episode where you just have a flashback to Jack being in Thailand getting his tattoos. Like, yeah, that's filler. It's yeah. not moving the story across, but we don't we don't know what the story is really with the Mandalorian. We've got we've got this sort of opening trilogy of episodes where it's like him getting the asset, keeping the asset, and then refusing to give it up. Like, okay, so that's, he's now set the guild on him. We're getting little bits and pieces of the story doled out to us. And now I th- feel like we've kind of, those these three episodes have been a bit of an intro to the main plot. I feel like now it's going to kick all off. Maybe. I mean, that's that's a prediction, I guess. But um, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm really yeah, enjoying it. Definitely it. Seemed like, it definitely seemed like the first three episodes were building up, like we're just forming these characters as... Because we don't know anything about this character, particularly when we don't have his face on screen. We don't have his full history. We only see like flashbacks. So it's interesting to see him grow attached to the child. And if that episode wasn't, if episode two didn't exist, I don't think we would feel the same way we do in episode three. No, no. I mean, and I think it's also as well. How could you watch something where a bunch of Jawas excitedly demand the egg and? and all that <laughs> stuff and not be like this is great this is like it's, it's yeah it's so different it's so different from star wars 
while being very, very Star Wars. You know, it's 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 they've really kind of gone, okay, well, we've got this episodic uh, thing. We can have these little mini adventures. Um, yeah, so they're not just making like an eight episode Star Wars movie. They're making something very interesting, which I'm 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 really enjoying because it's quite unpredictable. Like I don't really know it's zigging when I expect it to zag, and yeah, it's been interesting. Yeah, for sure. I feel like there was some predictable elements in this episode, but that's mm. only because I feel like we we focus so much on like story beats and how where they will go and such that I might be I might be biased in that regard, but we'll yeah, get onto yeah. that later. Um. I guess the first question I always ask the other guys is what are your main thoughts about this episode? Um, well, it's two, two main thoughts, really. It's um, the first one is, uh, well, I mean, I think the first one is we're, we're really getting like a bit of a, like, I think you made a good point before about not really having this full character together. So we're getting this patchwork mm. sort of idea. And I think this episode really sort of, not necessarily cemented, but I think like, yeah, I think I've got an idea of who this, who this guy is now. There's definitely, there's something going on with the Mandalorians where, you know, they've got that sort of, have you ever been to Poland or uh, Latvia, any of those Eastern European countries? So when you, when you go to those places, they all have um, like uh, museums of occupation because what happened to them was Mm -hmm. like, they were invaded. So their whole story is like, they were invaded by, uh, the Nazis and then liberated by the Soviets. So basically they were like mm. invaded by Hitler and saved by Stalin. So they just went from shit yeah. to shit. Um, and that's what I feel like the Mandalorian thing is. It's like the separatists took them over, then Maul, then it seems like the empires bollocks them. And it's just this constant sort of thing. So now we've got this group who are either they are Mandalorians or they've been rescued by the Mandalorians and they're like refugees and they're in hiding. And then you start to get this thing like, well, yeah, that's why he would sort of see this, this child completely lost in the world. Who's about to be taken in by the empire and just not be able to get it out of his head. So I feel like we're getting something not quite completely cemented. I think we need that extra bit of the flashback where we're going to see, I, I put it, I'm thinking that the, he's not a Mandalorian and the Mandalorians have, like, rescued him. Um, oh, okay. My only thought on that is because at the end, you know the credits where it has, like, the painted images from the episode? Um, yeah. The one where it's, like, the Mandalorians flying and they're, like, shooting, the people they're shooting don't look like the bounty hunters. It looks like droids. So I'm like, oh, is that going to be a bit of a... Is that a scene that was supposed to be in this or it's going to be in this where the Mandalorians show up and shoot all the battle droids and he gets taken in and he's a foundling and there's something about the foundlings have to wear their helmets or something. But that that's, that, and that's my main takeaway is like, we're getting this patchwork story, but I feel like they're doing it in a nice speed. Like I'm not sitting there going like, come on, come on. Just I'm getting like enough to keep me going week by week, which, uh, which I'm really enjoying. That was my sort of main takeaway. I feel like we made big leaps forward. And my second thing is, I don't know if you saw, we, um, on Blue Band for Milko, we interviewed Dominic Pace, who played one of the bounty hunters. So it was, this was his big episode. So he was, when um, uh, Carl Weathers is confronting the Mandalorian at the end, in that like square, and they've got them surrounded, he was like the bounty hunter stood yeah. next to him. 
So the whole time I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I've spoke to that dude and he's like a massive Star Wars fan. He's going to be losing his mind watching this. So that was uh, that was distracting, but pretty cool. I was very happy with that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed this one. I feel like we're definitely moving forward. So you, you're just lucky you didn't have the baby Yoda next to you because you, you'd be screwed. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think you made a really interesting point about the whole the foundlings because i never even thought about like the term foundling as being someone found by the clan Mm. i always just assumed it meant just generic orphan Uh, um but i think that makes perfect sense. i didn't even really notice that they were they were droids in that painting i just looked around i might be completely wrong like but that's just my first that was my first thing well, they they certainly like because there are bounty hunter droids, but these certainly have the sort of the middle middle part of the body, the wire. No, like it's got like three sort of prongs, like a battle droid has. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. So, and they all seem to be droids. So, it looks like that might be the case. Mm. That's definitely an interesting theory. I yeah, I really like that sort of idea. There was another idea I had um, watching the show. Because there seems to be a lot of intrigue, obviously, about the baby. Yeah. And why the Mandalorian would, you know, care for the child. Maybe it's because he saw himself in the child, like, wanting rescued and being neglected and, you know, being alone. Mm-hmm. But also there's the, there, was, there was a theory that perhaps, obviously, he's being attacked by battle droids. It's during the Clone Wars. What if mm-hmm. the person that saved him was Yoda? Oh, shit. That would be wild. If that's like just a, yeah, oh my god, that would just be incredible if he's like sealed in that thing and then it opens yeah. and it's just like Jedi and, and Yoda's there. Oh shit, that's insane. But very plausible. I, I, I mean, both these theories seem really plausible. I like the idea, like the foundlings, obviously, like they take him into the group mm. and the Mandalorians being this found group. Maybe that leads into like Jango Fett. Maybe he was a foundling. Yeah. Um, as opposed to a you know a purebred Mandalorian, <laughs> yeah. But with the whole Yoda Yoda thing, it could be interesting. Like, if he was saved by this creature that's like very rare, and the first thing he sees when he opens this this like, capsule is that sort of face again. Mm. It'd be like a cool little, um, you know, poetic mirroring. Yeah, it would be like poetry. It would rhyme. But yeah. Hmm. <laughs> It, but yeah, no, that George would be cool. crying in the corner. <laughs> but no, that's I didn't even consider that at all because like you get I, I, the choice of making it Baby Yoda was so good because it's it, it just as soon as that baby appeared, I think everyone had like a million questions because you were like, oh yeah, we've 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 barely ever seen another Yoda and we don't know what Yodas are even called, you know? Yeah. I mean, just by the fact we're calling it Yoda is like... Well, yeah, exactly. But I did like um, the term Yodito. Yodito was good. On Twitter now. I've seen Yodel, which I quite liked as well. Um, Yoda's too close to Yaddle. Oh, yeah, of course. I guess maybe that's the idea that it's like Yoda and Yaddle's kid and... I don't know. Um, I don't don't like to think about that. Uh, But yeah, That's a show I want to see. (laughs) <laughs> they're just like it's like a sitcom about their home life just yoda and yaddle at home <laughs> yeah, um, she's smoking a cigarette in bed oh god 
<laughs> nah, I'm good. I could I could live without that. But yeah, it's um, it's I mean, well, that's that's what's been cool about this so far is like, with each episode you're getting like a cool little like self-contained adventure. But it's yeah, there's lots of questions. But yeah, I'm I'm enjoying it so far. It's it's been very interesting, and it's all it just looks so cool, and and it looks so perfectly Star Wars. Which I'm really enjoying. Like it's it's it, it's going to be a, it's a night like once they because I know before it was released there was a lot of talk about how the show will sort of bring in the rise of like the first order. You're like okay, well that's that's mm. going to be a cool bridge. Like a you know you'll finish watching Return of the Jedi, watch this, they get to the sequel trilogy. I like it, and everyone seems to be quite united in like because I think everyone's quite surprised how many dickhead Star Wars fans have like come back to it and like, oh, this is actually <laughs> really good. You know, like, yeah, until a female character comes into it and they all shit the Dax. But for now, it's uh yeah, it's quite uniting. But it's it's cool. I'm I'm really enjoying it. And the music's amazing. The music's killing me how good it is. Yeah, it was interesting when you see stuff like the episode nine clip that was released this week. Um <laughs> getting a lot of um getting a lot of anger for using treads. When yeah. literally last week we saw the sound crawler again, I think yeah. that was in the first film. <laughs> yeah, that has it. treads like, in the desert. It's one of like the opening opening images. Like when I rewatched New Hope for like you know obviously building up to uh, Rise of Skywalker, when that uh, sand crawler comes in, I was like, that is such a cool fucking design. I love it. It's so ridiculous and like it's it's genius. And then seeing it again in the. Um, in the second episode of this and actually getting to see kind of like, you know, him climbing up the side of it and stuff like that. You're like, yeah, that thing is full to the brim with little Jawa dudes. And I love it. It's great. It's so impractical, but it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Star Wars always does really well when they take a simplistic design and then go with it. Yeah. Like if you think about, you could easily just draw a TIE fighter by drawing LOL and then drawing a line. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It is. Yeah, it's like, oh, what are the spaceships going to look like? Oh, I don't know. An X is going to fight a bow tie. I don't know. <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> That's just, perfect. Yeah. Just sort it out, ILM. And it's like, I just imagine Joe Johnston just thinking, all right, Boba Fett, he's a cowboy who wears a bucket on his head with a T on it. Done. Yeah, brilliant. Day's over. I'm going for, I'm going for lunch. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking about the sort of great shots in this episode, it mm. was a Deborah Chow's directorial debut on The Mandalorian. Yes. And and the first ever female director in Star Wars. Yeah, it's so, wild, isn't it? And not to mention the fact that she's given... I mean, the news that she was given the whole Kenobi series to direct, like, mm-hmm. the whole of it, yeah, always, to me, seemed like they were pretty impressed with what she came up with for this episode, of the season. Because, mm. um, obviously, she's got another episode coming out, I think, near the end of the season. Um, but, so I was already, like anticipating it especially after seeing her work on stuff like Better Call Saul but I feel like she just blew it out the like blew it out the park and knocked my expectations even further yeah just she's got a real um yeah just a real eye for keeping the action where where you want it if you know what I mean like because that last scene where they're having that like massive fight should be really chaotic it is really chaotic but there was never a point where I was lost and I was like, there's so much going on, but I know exactly where everyone is and what everyone's doing. And I think that is something that like, 
a good action director can do like that geography. Like sometimes when you watch, sometimes the Marvel movies mess that up and they're like, you're watching something you're like, no, I don't know where people are in terms of where they are, if that makes any sense. But that, that no, yeah. something so ridiculous at the end. I was like, yeah, I, I, I've totally got to hang on this. And, and yeah, no, she's, she's amazing. Um, I, yeah, I can't wait to see the rest of the stuff. And like you say, there must've been a thing where they were looking at the episode and been like, give the, give this woman a TV show, just give her a whole TV show, which is, yeah, which is exactly. pretty incredible. Yeah. So, um, and yeah. Yeah. And in particular, right. I really liked the sort of the references to other films. And there was a, there was a sequence. I mentioned this when I, I tweeted after watching the episode, <laughs> there's a, there's a trope like a movie trope in this episode, which I've never seen done in Star Wars before. And the way they did it was just perfect to me. And that was the classic, you know, like getting a taxi and telling them to follow the the other taxi or um, stealing the bandwagon in the Western. Yeah, yeah, Except yeah. it's with a droid. Yes. No, that, <laughs> that was, was excellent. Like, it's just like drive. I'm like, this is perfect. I never imagined I'd see that happening to a droid before. And no. I had so much glee from that. Yeah, it's yeah, like you say, it's interesting that they're going for like these other tropes. Like, there's a lot of obviously there's a lot of Western stuff, but it very like the the whole concept very quickly can veer into like noir and like crime movies because you've mm. got like crime bosses and all that. And I think the whole sequence as well, where he sort of like stalked the stormtroopers through the facility, was amazing as well. Like where it seemed to be like each one he killed, he killed in a different way. It was like, right, I'm just going to use every weapon and have a bit of a, a bit of a, a show. So, you know, he, someone got stabbed, someone got burnt, someone got whistling birded, someone got blasted, someone got battered. And I was like, this is, this is cool. I'm just, it's got a bit of like a, a horror film aesthetic, but it's also got a bit of like a Metal Gear Solid thing going. Yeah, yeah. It's very, very cool. <laughs> Mando. Mando! <laughs> um, <laughs> That'd be great if you just hid behind the box. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, No, yeah, I got really big Batman vibes from that scene. Yeah, like, of course. Him coming yeah. out of nowhere with the cape and just, you know, taking them down. And the whistling birds are such a cool little device. And the way they set it up so it's not going to be overused at all. Although, I, I, you know. Yeah, that's it. I'm You're sure there'll be a fan film. Out. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be a fan film where it's just pure whistling birds. And, just yeah, good luck all to that. The time. And it's just the Mandalorian and Akbar solving crimes. Oh, okay. Now I actually want to watch that. Yeah, actually, yeah. That was sarcastic. But once it once it came out, I was like, oh, okay, hold on. <laughs> the fish and the Mando. <laughs> Perfect. It's just like he's he's driving and the Mando's shooting out the window. It'd be great. And the baby's yeah. in the back. Yeah, he's got. Oh yeah, the baby's gotta be in it as well. Yeah, maybe that's where the show's going to go. That's it. It's just going to instantly collapse into that weirdness. That makes perfect sense to me. Um, yep. So obviously I mentioned the um, the droid sequence, but was there any moment that specifically stood out to you as the best? Um, I think the... Well, like I say, I think the the... It sort of starts, you know, when he gets into the cockpit and he leans to touch the lever and he realizes the ball's been taken off and all that. And then that whole thing where he just powers down and goes back and then messes up all the stormtroopers. Because there was a spit where I was like, I'm thinking, he's not going to leave the baby behind. He's not. But then he kept (laughs) kept getting closer and closer to leaving. And I was like, surely not. 
But like, is that going to be how they set him up to be like that? He's super dark and all this. Did he leave? And like, no, he's going to go back. And then when I see when he did, I was like, oh, thank fuck for that. Um, but yeah, that whole <laughs> thing of him going around like messing up the stormtroopers and and all that, I thought that was really cool. And um, and then obviously straight away after that, he's like, you know, carrying the baby like it's a football and still messing people up. So I love that. I thought that was cool because it, it was almost like this is this is sort of what. You know, he he's sort of earned the cool that Boba Fett got just by appearing in Empire. Like Boba Fett's appear, Boba Fett appears, and everyone's like, "Oh, this guy's super cool." But yeah, but he never does anything. And now we're seeing Mandalorian. Like, yeah, okay, if Boba Fett did that, I'd get it. But Man- Mando is killing it, and I, I think it's good. I think it's 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 a lot of fun, and it does sort of go into um, this weird thing of the show having that that sort of video game aesthetic of like little side quests and he gets his armor upgraded and stuff like that. It's interesting that I don't know if this is intentional or just accidental, but that thing of it being very much like, like a video game and and that's not a complaint or anything. It's just interesting to see that they're following that, you know, he's been given a mission, then he has to go do something else. And then his ship gets destroyed. So he has to go do the ship side quest. And then if he completes the mission, he gets rewarded, gets new armor and so on. And, I'm really, I'm really enjoying that where it's like, oh, okay, so we've we've leveled up and we're into the next the next stage now. Okay, let's see where this goes. But yeah, yeah, it's a really great uh, great point about like the whole video game thing. I did remind me a bit of Tomb Raider, <laughs> going yeah. down and sitting by the fire, except from this time it's it's the uh, the smelting pit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's it's like, well, I think the thing is, I'm what I'm playing. Um, red dead redemption 2 at the moment and there's there's a mm. very it's quite similar in that sense of like you've got the big story mission but then you keep stumbling into these little side quests and things and then when you do sort of help someone like i don't know if you've played red dead redemption 2 but yeah like, this, yeah yeah and you, you know when you constantly stumble upon that dude who's been bitten by a snake and you like suck out the venom and then you yeah. see him in town and he's like hey man get buy something from the shop on my tab and like all this kind of stuff. And you're like, okay, this is, I can imagine them very easily transferring the Mandalorian storyline to a video game like this and it being mm. so good. Oh, that'd be so good if they did that. But um, it did remind I, me, yeah, the Red Dead Redemption 2 link is very interesting because it reminded me of it like, do you ever do those things where you complete a mission where you're not very noble? You get the reward, and then you immediately do like the opposite <laughs> straight after it. You won't, you know, your level won't be affected. So yeah, much yeah. still a, like a coach, and then you just like, yeah, I got the reward. Shoot him in the head, like <laughs> justice. Oh, oh my god, yeah. There was there's this one mission where you have to like set, get someone's diary, and then when you actually get the diary, you find out he's like, you know, a slave owner. So I gave him back his diary, took his yeah. money, and shot the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dumped him on his campfire, let him burn. I'm like, yeah, that's it. That's exactly. what you get, and that's exactly what happened with this episode like he got the armor got what he wanted got his like he it's like a sort of a metaphor for him taking back from what the empire took from him and his culture and then murdered them it's great (laughs) well that's that's the thing now isn't it like that's going to be cool for these next episodes is like he's made an enemy of the guild and he's made an enemy of the empire so now we're going to start seeing that sort of interesting, and that's very Western, isn't it? Of being like, oh, you know, you're being chased by law enforcement and you're being chased by the other bad guys while you're just trying to do the right mm. thing. Like that's such a such a Western trope. Um, 
So yeah, I think that's what we're going to start seeing now. And I think that's where um, uh, Giancarlo Esposito is going to come into it, uh, going full Gus Fring as, what is it, Grand Moff or Moff Gideon or something, I think his name is? Yeah, Moff Gideon. So that's when that character comes into it, that's going to be so good. Like, ugh, that guy's so amazing. Um, but yeah, so we're going. It's going to start getting really, really crazy now that he's sort of on the run from baddies and other baddies. Um, so yeah, I'm intrigued. Yes, it's going to start getting really interesting. And like, it's such a Western idea. Yeah, yeah and I feel like there's also other elements, like from what we've seen so far of Moff Gideon, and like I think there's hints of him in this episode mm. um, as the big boss. I wonder if he's a bit like the sheriff of Nottingham. Yeah. Where he's just like this big presence going around. He's he's like the big guy and that the Mando has to sort of like stand up to him and free these people. Because obviously they have like remaining grasps on certain bits of planets and land. And it'd be interesting to see if he like becomes this sort of symbol of freedom and um, <laughs> breaking oppression. Well, maybe. I mean, that's the thing. Like I think, um, there is, I think in like the, the canon novels and comics and stuff, it's the idea that like, you know, uh, the Imperials went from like, you know, they'd be a governor of a planet, but then once all this, once the revolution happened or whatever, they become like warlords and they're like, just got a grasp onto whatever power they've got. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, and, and also as well, like, I mean, if you've played Battlefront and stuff like that, you know, kind of like Operation Cinder, like the post empire plan is basically to, uh, instill fear in everyone so it's it's going to be cool when he comes out in full sort of like villain mode as an imperial who's like at the end of his reign but gonna fuck everyone up for it and then the mando's gotta fuck him up Ugh, brilliant can't wait how many episodes are left five not six i i think five i think it's eight okay. episodes right yeah i think so so yeah, yeah. And then still, like, you know, yeah, I mean, was... Wen's got to come into it and uh, Julia Jones. And there's there's still so many characters who we've got hints of that we haven't seen. So, yeah. Yeah, we've seen a lot of what's happened to the Empire after the, um, after the revolution. But we haven't really seen much about the Rebellion or the New Republic. Obviously, we get the hint in this episode of... Yeah, the New Republic being useless, which we get in the books as well. Yeah, <laughs> and the I mean, um, think, other material. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Where it's like you can take it to the New Republic, and he's like, "What a waste of time!" You're like, wow, five years after Return of the Jedi, and already they've turned into like the, um, you know, the Demo- Democratic Party in America. Yeah, that's right. I went political. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. It's happening now, guys. But that's sort of... We know from the books that they also, it, t- it descends into infighting. And, well, I guess the thing is as well, like, we do know from the books that one of the things that the New Republic does is they um, pardon a lot of Imperials. Like, that's that's a thing, isn't it? They try and bring them back on side. Um, mm. So that will be interesting if that comes into play or anything like that. But I guess it's also that idea of, like, you've got where they are they're just in the forgotten because I don't even know if we know what the name of the planet is that he's that he's on at the moment, or maybe we do, and it's just not relevant. But like they're in these backwaters that have just been ignored by by progress and by this new government, so they're operating outside of that. 
but it'll be interesting to see then if we end up in a thing where he's being pursued by the empire the other the other bounty hunters and the new republic and he's just like (laughs) everyone's out for a piece and that'd be great. It'd be like by the end of season one, it'd be like um, wacky races. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Just yeah, he's just got to get the baby to a certain point, and it's just like it's like the end of Blues Brothers. Yeah, that's what I'm really excited about seeing um, Cara Doom, mm. and obviously because she, she was a Rebel Shock Trooper. Yeah, like, what's her opinions on the New Republic? Maybe they're mixed because we're yeah. expecting them to be positive, but. I guess what do you do after a war like that? Um, yeah, and yeah, just I just like the idea of the different sways of opinion in the galaxy. I know the books as well delve into the fact that Mon Mothma was sort of you know didn't want to do with the military sort of side of stuff anymore. I wanted to cut that down. Yeah, to the detriment, I guess, of the, <laughs> the galaxy in the end. Um, so it's yeah, it's interesting to see where they go with this. Well, yeah, because I mean. I guess Star Wars is one of those things, anything outside of like the main nine movies, everything I find, the stuff that I enjoy, I guess, is the stuff that tells its own story while influencing that bigger story. So mm. sometimes like some of the, I'm, I'm like struggling to read Master and Apprentice because I'm like, this isn't necessarily that good a story and it's not giving me stuff to help me enjoy other stuff. So I'm just sort of like struggling through it. Whereas I just finished reading Resistance Reborn and I was like, this is a cool mm. story and it pushes for, it's like a sequel to the video games, the comic books, other books. It also sets up Rise of Skywalker. So it gives you everything. And I think that's the thing with Mandalorian. At some point it is going to end up veering into that thing of like, yeah, we've got this one story we're telling but we know where we are in terms of the continuity. So they're going to need to start explaining what the new Republic, like like you say, they've already started with like little references, but like something to when you watch the show in 20 years time, it'll bridge return the Jedi and force awakens and be like, Oh, okay. So the new Republic were ineffective. The Imperial sort of rallied. Okay. Well, I'm starting to get an idea of what this is now, but at the moment, like, they're telling their own story and I'm really enjoying that, but it's going to be cool when they veer out and they start explaining the the wider galaxy and, and where, where these characters sit within that story, which is going to be uh, interesting if they do it well, which they will. Yeah. It's almost like the prequel, like what the prequels brought to the Star Wars universe, because we always like, even watching the original trilogy, we know the empire are bad. We know that they do, they're, they're in charge of the galaxy and there's the rebel mm. alliance and there's, sort of vague references to the old republic but we never actually see it and we don't nope. know how it acted and it wasn't until the prequels and all the stuff material that came out of that like the clone wars where we really got a bigger picture for it mm. and even though i have agree i i've been critical of the lack of detail in terms of the new republic like no one's not everyone's going to read aftermath the trilogy no like, and they shouldn't be expected to no because at not the same great. time <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like you need you just it's the stuff like this where I feel like I'm glad that I have the chance now to sort of delve into that yeah um a bit more especially with like resistance and uh resistance reborn books like that and yeah blood bloodline is like the apex example in oh, my opinion love bloodline bloodline is so good and bloodline, bloodline is a, a perfect really, example 
Mm, yeah. It does a really great job at delving into the minutiae of what the New Republic's like. The yeah. fact that a lot of these people, like you mentioned about politics before, and we see a lot um, in British politics, American politics, a lot of people who had, like, who would have sided with the Empire mm. and did still have positions of power. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just like stone cold villains. And you're like, look, and you're like, why mm. are you still in power? Like, this is the real world. Like, why haven't you been dragged into the street at this point? Like, but yeah, that, that sort of thing of people who were sympathetic to the Empire allowed to stay around and who inevitably joined the First Order. You're like, yeah, some baddie is always going to come around and scoop these people up. Like, um, yeah. yeah. Like, I wrote, I, I know people don't like the Aftermath trilogy and there's a whole thing, but there was one segment which connects to also the Return of the Jedi special edition. A sequence where we see people celebrating on ah, Coruscant, yeah, yeah. and there being this. Obviously, there's a big class divide in that planet, which I feel like should be delved into more, but doesn't. Um, mm. Which is a big sort of discussion for another time. I feel like maybe <laughs> because I'm British, that there's a sort of different view on class than in America. Um, yeah, but I think it's very it's very visible in Coruscant, like at the lower levels. And oh, the it's yeah, above and below, isn't it? You're like, there's a certain level where afterwards you're clean and rich and you get to fly, and then there's the lower levels where essentially you're just dirt, and that's it. Like Clone yeah. Wars does We're that very well. Show. Yeah. Yes, Clone Wars does a really great job because George gets the time to develop that a bit more. Yeah. But there's yeah. a specific sort of thing about Coruscant where we always just assume they were the pompous, you know, the rich and mm. well to do because they were literally the center of the galaxy the the position of power and in terms of that last sequence where everyone starts sort of rebelling and pulling down the statue and then you just see them get attacked by the empire yeah and then you read into like bloodline and it's like there's no surprise that whoever they voted for <laughs> as the mp or the yeah the senator of that galaxy probably immediately turned them back into first order territory yeah that's it and it's so yeah. depressing but intriguing at the same time and i just i do hope we see a little bit more of that um i do as well like like you said about the not naming the planet mm. and a lot of people are angry about that <laughs> and you shouldn't again you should have to dive into data bank to find out the name of certain planets but it kind of adds to the sort of i don't know how to explain it like even though tatooine was a shithole. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was a popular shithole. Like, yeah. you knew about it. Yeah, that's so... the thing everyone knows about. Yeah, it's like the it's like the difference between, like, Tatooine and, like, Jakku. Like, everyone's just like, exactly Jakku, that shithole. But then this place is, like, such a shithole that it doesn't even have a name. It's just like, oh, that place. Exactly. You know. It's so way out that people don't care. Like, on the maps, you, like, yeah. if you go out that far... It's your risk, so you don't really care about it. Whereas all these other planets in the center of the core, again, it's like another sort of you know class system and like pushing out towards the edge. I like, I kind of like that. I like that there is no name for this planet. Um, oh yeah, but I mean, if they had named the planet, there would have been someone who was angry about that too. I mean, there is a, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird world we live in at the moment with this thing that we really enjoy and that people claim to enjoy but actually hate and. 
are obsessed with and it's it's weird um but yeah i think i think again it goes back to um again like a western thing like if you had a western movie where there was like a town full of baddies and it was like the town with no name you'd be like oh yeah that's fucking sweet you know and that's where all the that's where <laughs> all the bounty hunters and the bandits live and stuff like that and that's sort of what this is it's like oh there's this planet and it's so shitty they didn't even name it it's just you, you know if you're gonna go there you, no one's gonna accidentally go there you're going there with purpose and you're just gonna go there and all it seems to be is just like the dregs of humanity, criminals, and refugee Mandalorians. And they're hiding there because no one's going to look for them there. Um, so, yeah. So, I think it's cool. I think it's a cool concept. And it's... I mean, yeah, I, I agree. I would like to see more of that sort of um, class divide and the sort of haves and have-nots of, of the galaxy because that is... It's an interesting thing with Star Wars where, you know, it's not like harry potter say or like lord of the rings where you'd say like oh you know who would you be in this like or what house would you be in or what what race would you be in lord of the rings and stuff like that it's like if you're going to be someone in star wars you're either a politician a soldier a jedi or a criminal and that's pretty much it mm. like they're, they're like the four roles it's like um yeah, you're like, if you're not and again it is that sort of thing it's like being in the real world and being like oh if you're not born into money you just aren't aren't anyone you know you just are a non-person in the in the grand scheme of things you just go to work and you do your thing and you see what you can do and and star wars kind of is very very interestingly set up in terms of that of like oh if you're not magic or a soldier or a politician then you are just scum basically <laughs> and scum that's, it. that's it so yeah, scum and villain. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, it would be interesting to see, like, with this character, because we don't really like. I, I suppose I was going to say we don't really uh, in Star Wars deal with these sort of like draggy characters, but it's interesting actually with the Solo movie showing, uh, you know, Han being a full street rat and and mm-hmm. that sort of thing of being like, yeah, if you were born and grew up on Corellia during the Imperial thing. If you didn't work in the shipyards, you were, you know, again, you you were a criminal and a street rat. Um, which, and then obviously the the people who he deal like deals with in that movie are all of a higher status, and he just has to like stumble his way through. Which is, uh, yeah, I guess that's probably the most we've seen sort of like a big class divide in uh, in Star Wars. But it'd be nice to see more of that. Yeah, and Han literally marries a princess, and by episode seven, he's in the same position. Yes, well, yeah. I mean, like you say, that's the thing. If you <laughs> if you are not born into money, you just end up going back down the back down the tubes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, no, that's that's actually very true. Like, it, it's such an interesting arc actually for that character. If you sort of chart it and just be like, when he's up and when he's down, it's like it's mostly down. <laughs> Mostly, he's just like yeah. that's very in character. Like, yeah, I know he's just kind of struggling to get back up, which is good. It's the per- yeah, the perfect sort of representation of Han is just try not to drown. <laughs> yeah, that's it exactly. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be what I what I am looking forward to seeing or seeing how they do is when they start 
bringing in elements of the original trilogy, if they're going to bring in any characters or we're going to start seeing stuff of like uh, references to them of like, oh, you know, references to destroying the Death Star, anything like that. Like I want to see how much the Rebellion's activities are sort of known. And like, and you know, uh-huh. Darth Vader, the Emperor, stuff like that. Like, because it's only five years out, but someone did tweet a thing on um, actually about the jetpacks. And it was like, oh, you know, well, why don't they remember that the stormtroopers have jetpacks? Like, shut the fuck up. But someone has put like, <laughs> Star Wars seems to have this idea that everyone has a very, very short term memory. So the Jedi sort of were the dominant force in the the galaxy. And then 19 years later, Luke's like, what's a Jedi? You know, it's just like, so, and then we're here now and it's like, okay, well, where are we five years later? Would people still be like, do you remember when they blew up the Death Star? That shit was rad, you know? Or is that just like, oh, I don't (laughs) even know what you're talking about. The New Republic have always been the power, you know? So I'm intrigued to see how they start bridging that gap and stuff like that. Like, I don't want just, like, wall-to-wall fan service, but it, my sort of um, my sort of writer's mind wants to sort of see where things fit in. So when, you know, when we do a rewatch in the future, you're like, okay, so you start at Phantom Menace, and then when you have to return the Jedi, all of Mandalorian, then the sequel trilogy. Is it worth it? Does it add anything to the, to the broader story? So, we, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Speaking of writer's mind, I have a similar thing, and like a theory and I don't know whether I like it or not. And I, I don't think it's so I, I feel like it might happen, Okay, but I I have faith in John Favreau and Dave Filoni that if it did happen, it will happen in a certain, like hopefully in a good way. I'm still convinced Boba Fett will show up as in the, in the finale as, and then Uh, they set him up as the villain for next season. Oh, nah, I, 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 well, like you say, I have trust that if anyone can do it, Filoni brought back Darth Maul and made it one of the coolest things ever. You know, Clone Wars and Rebels take that character to a, a level that they, they actually sort of surpass what Lucas did. Um, mm. So if anyone can do it, it would be him. But I don't, well... I don't know. It would be, I guess it would be like a weird thing to have like the last scene of the episode is like someone hiring Boba Fett to find the Mandalorian. But yeah, I don't know. It would have to be, it'd have to be perfect. Like, I don't think it could be anything less than perfect. Like if there's even a slight crack in it at all, I'd just be like, oh, come on. So we're building up this whole season has been building up to fucking Boba Fett. Get the fuck out of here. You know, (laughs) unless if they talk like... Hmm? I have the, it's like this lingering like every time I, I just, sometimes it just pops in my head like they're gonna bring him back as the villain and I don't know what I don't know what it is I don't know what it is I think maybe it's just because we, we've been so used to thinking that he will return at some point is it because I have a very very deep passion for wanting Tamara Morrison to return <laughs> well maybe. yeah because that would be well it's interesting because like Will they make will what's his face? Will Daniel Logan come back and play him, or will Tamora Morrison play him? Because at this age, he should be Tamora Morrison. But is Tamora Morrison too old? Would it just be his voice? A lot of questions. But we'll get around to that. But um, yeah. I mean, I know that. 
Well, I don't know, because it is that thing of, like, now that the, the whole story's been, like, fleshed out with the prequels, with the Clone Wars, uh, with Rebels and all that, you see that, like, Boba Fett isn't, isn't actually a Mandalorian, is he? He's just, they've just taken the armor. And it's not like he's some sort of, like, famous Mandalorian. He's just a famous guy in the armor. So, I mean, I guess it would be interesting in the sense of propriety, uh, not propriety, of, like, appropriation of Mandalorian? I don't know. I think the two major things that pop in my mind are, number one, there's the whole uh, Camino aspect of it. And obviously Boba Fett is a, is a product of Camino. Yes. And who else better ties into that planet than Django Fett? Yeah. Um, and also, I know there's a big debate on this, and Pablo Hidalgo tweeted at me once telling me like his opinion on it. Okay. But there's still the whole big debate of whether... Uh, Prime Minister Olmec was lying about Boba Fett and Jango Fett because one, he was a douchebag anyway. Yeah. <laughs> the Prime Minister. And two, like if you're the Prime Minister of Mandalore and this you know, bad dude yeah, who everyone knows about, he's the coolest bounty hunter in the galaxy, everyone knows his name, is, is wearing literally the symbol of Mandalore, like the armor. You probably would, you know, go all PR in it and be like, Oh no! Yeah, no, no. He just stole that armor. Like, yeah, he's not a pure Mandalorian, and I, I don't know. Like, in my mind, I like to feel like it's a PR move because it, I just, it just seems it sort of adds to Olmec's character in the way. Um, but I also I appreciate the fact that, yeah, appreciate George the fact. Like, oh, I don't know, Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I'd have to see it. <laughs> I'll I'll have to. Because like you say, there is that thing, isn't it? Of like the doctor has like a Camino patch on his arm, doesn't he? Or Kaminoan. Mm-hmm. So there's something with that. And then it's like, okay, well, are they trying to clone Baby Yoda? Or there's something they want for him? But if it's a clone thing, that can easily bring him back. Are they going to bring back like a clone of Boba Fett to kind of then have it both ways? So you're like, okay, well, we've killed Boba Fett, but we've he is a clone, so technically his clone material would be hanging around. So we know that. Um, but yeah, no, it's I'd have to I'd have to see it. I'll, I'll be intrigued to see it. But yeah, like I say, it would have to be very. very that good. would be interesting. That'd be interesting if they like if I if I was going like p- pure crazy. Yeah. What if they brought back Boba Fett as a clone? Yeah. But it isn't like a he's the reason why he's working for the Empire is because. Rather than paying him monetary wise, they're actually manipulating his status because obviously before he was a clone who ages normally. Yeah. But what if they clone him so he ages fast, and so he starts off as Daniel Logan, and then by the season finale, he's <laughs> Tamora Morrison. He's like, <coughs> I great. don't want to die. <laughs> Please cool. help. Got a real uh, Blade Runner situation then at the end, where it's like, yeah, for sure, times running out. Um. Yeah, why not? Let's do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, let's uh, end off by talking about, I think, the best sort of moment in the episode, which was the whole Mandalorian gang coming out, saving mm. the day, this is the way, being the new catchphrase that everyone loves. Yeah. Um, yeah, what do you think about that? It was cool. It was very um, uh, end of Lord of the Rings, where like the Rohirrim show up and all that, and it's like, oh yeah, all hope's lost, but then... And it was good that they sort of set it up with this idea that, you know, 
people were a bit aggressive towards him and all that for um, uh, for working with the Empire. Uh, but then th- there was a nice sort of riff of, um, uh, you know, family and your tribe and that kind of thing of like, yeah, you know, he's a Mandalorian, so we've got to go save him. In the same way that sort of like the Mandalorian had had that thing with Baby Yoda of being like, I, he couldn't live with himself, so he had to go back. And it's like the Mandalorians came out of hiding to save the day. And it was cool. It was very sweet. And um, I was very happy with like they did an interesting thing at the end, obviously, you know, when he's flying away and the guy comes up and gives him the salute. I was like, Oh, that's a bit, mm. that's a bit cheesy. But then straight away, Mandalorian's like, I got to get me one of those. I was like, Oh, cool. That's good. That's good. That's like, I'm having this whole <laughs> thing on Twitter at the moment about MCU humor and what it means and what it is. And mm. today everyone's given me answer. Yesterday, everyone was giving me examples of what they thought it was. And then I've asked people to explain why. And a few people gave me really interesting answers. And one of them is like, Oh, MCU and yeah, MCU humor is. Um, I keep I keep nearly saying MC Hammer. MCU humor <laughs> is um, a joke that is like within a scene that's supposed to be quite emotional or whatever, and they put a joke to sort of show that one um, they oh to, to show that it's like oh you know to, to show they're too cool for sincerity essentially. Um, and I think that was interesting yeah. at the end of that episode where you've got that like quite sincere salute and then that joke. But I was like, no, that works. I think that's that's a good example of where you can take something that is quite corny, follow it up with a pretty good joke and get everything. So you get the corniness and you get the joke, but it doesn't feel like they're like, oh, we better put a joke in there in case people think we're like, we give a shit and we're, we're not cool. And I thought that was quite that was a, a cool way to end it. They did they had they had their cake and ate it, which I'm like, which I'm happy with. I thought that was a, a cool. Yeah, I, I think I think it's funny you mentioned in that MCU humor and sort of cheesy humor in Star Wars because I always feel like Star Wars is allowed to have cheesy humor. Yeah, I know we talked about this on the video we did about Attack of the Clones. Of course, yeah. I I adore the C3PO sequences, even though they're stupid. Yeah, I think that um, the line. I'm programmed for etiquette, not destruction. is is just beautiful. <laughs> it is. It is um, the epitome of that that whole sequence of just like yeah, no, that yeah, no. It's it's perfectly silly and perfect. And it's funny, like we mentioned that episode nine clip again. Um, there's a bit of dialogue where they all go, they fly, they fly now. now, and there's there's some criticism about it being a bit too you know cheesy, but. I, it doesn't really bother me. Like Return of the Jedi, one of my favorite scenes is when Han taps the scout trooper on the shoulder and runs away. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, it's the or A New Hope when he runs over, runs to the stormtroopers. It's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, it's well. That's the thing. That's where this MCU humor thing came from because I saw a bunch of people, like pe- people who I kind of follow and who I like, hating that clip uh, of Rise of Skywalker, and then someone just commented like, "Oh, this is too MCU," and I'm like, "Right, what the fuck does that mean?" So I started like looking at it and I'm like, okay, today I'm starting to get an idea of what it is that they mean, but it's all the examples are very specifically MCU. You know, the, the humor is because it's one of those things, you know, that, that quote where it's like, I don't know what pornography is, but I know it when I see it. And there's like a the politician said it in the seventies or something, but that that's the thing of MCU. Yeah. It's like, MCU humor I don't I couldn't sit down and say to you I know exactly what it is because all the examples people gave me were wildly different but at the same time I know I know what it is when I see it but I don't know what it is I I don't see it in other things 
like it's so specifically of that those films and that genre that if someone says to me oh this you know oh i saw a trailer for the new whatever terminator movie looks like it's full of mcu humor i'm like no it's just jokes you can't just you can't they're just jokes in a film that's that's how jokes work yeah i think I think when you say MCU humor, the first thing that pops in my head, I think it's either Iron Man 3 or Avengers 2. Mm. I think there's a sequence where Iron Man uh, shoots someone. I, I could be wrong. I could be, I can't, it might be different characters, but I just remember the phrase. I think like he shoots some like um, criminals, maybe Hydra agents, and he goes, that was fun. And then one of them on the floor goes, no, it wasn't. Yes, that's, yeah. Yeah, so... That and my yeah, yeah, that's per all well, my sort of thing is because I'm right. I'm doing a video about it next year. So my sort of thing was spoilers, I guess. It starts sort of after Guardians of the Galaxy, like Guardians of the Galaxy being a very funny movie. Everyone tries to copy that, and then it's then they they go too far. But my my wife, my wife, my wife says, um, <laughs> I "Can't I can't not do that?" And it's like twenty years since fucking Borat. No, um, no, I'm glad you did. <laughs> oh yeah, well, someone was going to do it. Um, she always says like, because she she watches those movies with me, and she sort of she's like, oh, I can take them or leave them, but I because I'm I, I I write film criticism, so I get free tickets to see Disney movies to review them and so on. So she's like, oh, I'll come along. Um, and she says like, you can instantly tell what that sort of humor is because they almost pause afterwards to give you time to laugh. It's like sitcom humor. Like if you put a laugh track yeah. in Guardians of the Galaxy, it, you'd still you wouldn't miss any dialogue because they say a joke and they pause for just long enough for you to kind of go, oh yeah, ha-ha. and then and then it continues, you know, <laughs> which is interesting. Like I'm I'm starting to see that sort of thing appear in different films where they have like a moment where you're like, oh well, everyone's gonna laugh their asses off here, so let's put a little pause in so they don't miss any more of the movie. So it's yeah, but going back to Mandalorian. I think that when Mandalorian does does humor, it does it well. It does that Star Warsy thing of being a bit goofy and a bit silly. Um, but when you've got Jawas going like the egg, the egg, the egg, you're like, this is Star Wars. This is very Star Wars. It's very funny, and it's very Star Wars. It's. But uh, I think maybe we need to have a thing of like Star Wars humor. Like maybe that's the thing, which is yeah, it's quippy, but it's also very goofy. A lot of slapstick. Um, but I think, I don't know, it, it probably comes down to a, a bigger thing as well of people are watching, adults are watching entertainment for children and if the, if the entertainment has comedy in it, they assume that the film's laughing at them. I think that's what it comes down to. And I don't have that problem, so I don't, I don't mind it. Yeah, and I feel like as well we should always take into account the whole film. Yeah. I'm sure that there's, with the Emperor involved, there's going to be a lot of dark sequences and usually that humour in Star Wars is there to balance that out. Yeah. And... It's, you know, like, I don't think necessarily, like, jokes like that are always a sign of a bad film. I mean, The Dark Knight has one. There's a scene in The Dark Knight where there's a, a GCPD in the in the truck. And one of the tr- guys goes, that's yeah. not good. And then you see the helicopter crash and he goes, that's not good. I'm like, mm. I'm not that- like, okay, well, that film sucks now. Yeah, well, that's it. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. If you isolated any movie and took 30 seconds of it and it was just a joke... But the thing is, I when I saw that clip, I was like, I, I love this. I think this is great. This is very Star Wars. I like how frenetic it is. I like how fast it is. Uh, I mm. always enjoy the fact that the rebels are always on the back foot. Like that. Sorry, one last thing about Mandalorian because I know we need to wrap up. 
But one yeah, thing sure. I've really, really enjoyed with this so far is, um, like we're saying, it's very westerns and stuff like that. But it's got a really cool, a really cool Indiana Jones vibe to it. Because the one thing I absolutely yeah. love about Indiana Jones, like especially Raiders of the Lost, well, Raiders of the Lost Ark and Last, well, all of them, but especially Raiders of the Lost Ark, he gets the shit kicked out of him the whole film and just keeps getting up and mm. keeps going back for more. And that's why you love that character. And what my worry was with this show was that the Mandalorian character was just going to be like this fucking taking it, taking kicking ass, taking names, completely inscrutable, just like too cool for it. And that second episode, he gets the shit kicked out of him. And I was like, this is great. This is perfect for me because this, I don't want that sort of someone who doesn't get, doesn't, you know, I, I like James Bond, but. James Bond is very much like, you know, he's going to save the day. Whereas Indiana Jones, like if you watch Raiders of the Lost Ark, he survives by luck quite a lot. And and so many times he's just on the on the receiving end of an absolute kicking. And it's great. It makes you really like the character. And it's really endeared me to the Mandalorian that he's not some like super cool dude. He does get his ass kicked, which I like. I also, Yeah. And I also appreciate that they haven't sort of knocked down the empire a peg as well like yeah. he gets when he gets hit he actually did get like he does get a few shots from the stormtroopers he doesn't completely avoid them all the time yeah that's he does it. a good job of it but there's bits where you think you go okay they are a threat especially if they're like so small they're you know they've got a reason to be worried but yeah. you're right yeah, there's a decent amount of like they do a really good job at sort of He's not too OP and he's not, yeah. you can relate to him a little bit. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I think because that, yeah, that is exactly what I was expecting that he was just going to be, yeah, this totally cool, barely spoke, just like everyone was scared of him and he just like, yeah. And I think they've done really well to, to um, subvert that. And, and yeah, that's what I really enjoy. I mean, yeah, I think the baby is a great aspect of that as well, like, in yeah. subverting the expectations. Because in episode one, you could be like, okay, this dude's awesome, and then he sees the baby, and then as soon as he sees the baby, that's the moment where you go, okay, he might have been awesome in terms of he can shoot stuff. Yeah. But that's the moment where he actually starts being awesome, because he he saves a life. Like, <laughs> um yeah. No, that's very well. That was the thing because I did think at the end of the episode that IG Eleven had shot the baby, and it was going to be like, oh, so that's what this is going to be. This like kind of like, oh, look how cool and super dark we are. But when he'd shot the droid and he kind of reached out his finger towards the baby, I was like, I fucking love this show. And for exactly what you're just saying, there, so like, good. yeah, this is this is it. This is going to be this is going to be something new and different and really cool and they'd hidden baby yoda from all the marketing so you didn't know what that was going to be about and i was like yeah no this this is something special and episode three just continued that for me well terrific um i'm afraid that's all we've got time for though this week um if you'd like to catch up with us don't forget to check out our website imperialsnetpodcast.com if you have any questions for us about this episode of The Mandalorian, which airs upcoming Friday, email us at imperialsenetpodcast.gmail.com and we'll answer them in the next episode. Um, if you'd like to help support the show, you can do so by picking up some sweet swag from tpublic.com forward slash user forward slash the Imperial Senate Podcast or by becoming a patron on our Patreon page. That's a lot of peas. Um, mm. And if you haven't had enough of us yet, you can follow us on Twitter at Pod or on Facebook by searching the Imperial Senate Podcast. Sean, it has been such an honor to have you on the show. I had a lot of fun. 
Thank you. And I just wanted to ask you, where can we find you? Well, um, so on Twitter, I am first to last pod. Um, and yeah, obviously the channel, Blue Banther Milk Co. Uh, we are doing currently a, a Road to Nine sequence. So we've watched every movie and we've had some fantastic guests on. Obviously you yourself, you were on to talk about Attack of the Clones. Uh, we are, I think the most recent one is our interview with Dominic Pace from The Mandalorian. Uh, we've got two more. Force Awakens is coming up and then Last Jedi. And then after that, it's uh, Rise of Skywalker. And then next year, we're going to start doing more cool content uh, once we're off the road. And um, yeah, uh, I'm actually wearing my, I just realized I'm wearing my Imperial Senate podcast t-shirt. I slept in it. So um, uh, Oh, well, there you yeah. go. You're sleeping with the Senate. That's it. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> the whole Senate. Yeah. Just in those blo- floaty <laughs> pod Senate. things from episode one, just like uh, the prequel trilogy. Yeah, just imagine us in those pods while yeah. you sleep. That's it. Brilliant. That's what I did. That's how I sleep. I just imagine the pods just rocking from side to side, just soothing me to sleep. On that note. <laughs> just like. <laughs> yeah, on that note, I think that's all we've got time for this week. Thank you so much, and we'll be back next time. May the, f- the Force will be with you, always. Bye.